Welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. Really do appreciate the fact that you uh, come our way every Sunday at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Monday mornings at 1 a.m. Streaming live at richarddugan.com as well as the podcasts that are on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, and a bunch of other places. Oh, Blueberry is another one. Uh, and places that I'm not even aware of because you folks are reposting these interviews all over the place. And I thank you for that. I really do appreciate that. Uh, and if you would like to um, find out more about our guests, well, guess what? We're going to give you the website to their website. Uh, a link to their website is also going to be on our podcast. Uh, we want you to go there to learn more about uh, what they are doing. Continue your evolutionary process and transformation into um, a better person tomorrow than you are today. That is not to say that you are not a better person today than you were yesterday. Uh, but if we're truly honest, uh, there's always room for improvement, and I'm uh, I'm no exception to that rule. We hope that you will also uh, help us out financially. We do have PayPal and Patreon accounts. If you'd like to support us, you like what we're doing, and you'd like to be a part of it, we thank you for that. And for those who uh, have helped and those who are going to help, there's a PayPal and Patreon account for your security as well as ours. This is also 2020, the year of perfect vision. We want you to go within. We want you to spend some time with yourself. I know that's a scary thing because we don't do that very often. We don't really know who we are. And uh, that's one of the things uh, that it will help us uh, know the truth about self and it will set you free. I realize that's a paraphrase, but I still think it's pretty accurate. Today's program is going to dive into that subject that I thought when I got out of high school, it was done. It was over. Well, it was for me, for the most part, uh, and that's bullying. We're going to talk with the author of Bully Proofing You. Bully Proofing You. This should be interesting. Our guest is uh, Jenny Sisko meth who proves um, true that teaching is the profession that makes all other professions possible. And I have to be one to say that I love teaching. I'm not a teacher professionally, but I love teaching broadcasting and um, production and editing and all of that creative aspect. Also, as a 17-year-old high school a uh, 17-year high school uh, uh, educator specializing in taking troubled teens from where they were to where they needed to be. Jean, Jenny has uh, become an expert in communication motivation techniques, which we're going to talk about, the posi positivity improvement that applies to business, sports, management, and she also has cre she creates uh, amazing connections with small and large groups and is one of the most organized and prepared speakers. Uh, and also, uh, she uh, can be hired, if you will, to speak at your next gathering, and you will be glad that you did so. Uh, Jeannie, Cisco, Meth, thank you so much for joining us on the program. It is great to have you with us. Richard, thank you so much for having me here today. I really appreciate it. It's a great opportunity. I have had interviews with folks on the issue of bullying, and as I said, when I got into uh, when I left high school, I'm thinking, okay, it's over. A bullying is done. Well, it was for me, for the most part. I did run into a bully in my in the workplace, who um, when he hired me, uh, he hired me through the sales department of one radio station, 
and he treated me as if I were his best friend. I could do no wrong. Within about three to four weeks, he was treating me as if I had just killed his best friend. And it was it was bad to the extent that I was actually hiding while I was doing production. It was a production slash hide and seek uh, to stay away from him because I didn't want to deal with any of that. And I wasn't going to quit and give him the satisfaction, which seems kind of stupid that I would stay in a burning house until the fire department came in and got me when there was a clear path to leave. <laughs> um what is bullying, and are we talking across the board from age zero to the time you depart this world? That's really what we're focusing. Are we really focusing on the school educational system, primary, secondary, post-secondary, etc.? Well, we're talking about all of the above, actually. Okay. Um, there are actually two types of bullies. The first type is the one that you're talking about, that external bully that you know hurt people hurt people and guess what there's plenty of hurt people the second type of bully is that internal bully the one in your own mind that tells you you're not good enough or you're you know you're stupid or whatever so those are the two types of bullies that i deal with the most my first book was all about bully proofing you and the external bully so bully proofing me or as the title is bully proofing you uh, is really right along those lines of 2020 the year of perfect vision because you're not going to find that inner bully until you spend some time going within and uh, starting to listen to some of those voices that what were perpetuated by being bullied by being put down uh not by self-deprecating but by other deprecation uh towards you that it, that was aimed right at you and that's where those messages that are inside me uh still reside probably even to this day even though i feel pretty confident pretty secure and so forth that's not to say that a certain individual might not come through the door and exude a certain personality, a certain energy, and I'm all of a sudden going to drift back into the childhood days of, of fear. There are, there are many things that can trigger people, you know, and so what you're talking about is that bully that physically bullied you that now may be taking up a little bit, I call it bandwidth, a little bit of that mental power because you're afraid you may meet another one, you're afraid you may come back, whatever, or you're able to stuff it and totally forget about it. So the other, the other type is typically somebody will make a decision about themselves at a young age from external forces or from internal forces. I've seen both happen and they make a decision to either like themselves or to not like themselves. And then until they learn something new, they found outside validation to perpetuate that belief. So Typically, the external bully can be so painful because it's something that I've been saying to myself for a few years already. And so mm. the external bully just validates that internal belief that I'm not enough. And that's really kind of what it comes down to is we just we, we don't feel that we are worthy. And there are a lot of places in our world where we are that where that message is reaffirmed now. 
when I, for example, was uh, was in, uh, I was working for a Christian radio station, and then, uh, of course, I grew up Roman Catholic, so I went to church every Sunday. I went to catechism and all of that kind of stuff. And the messages that I got from those places were rather interesting, where I was even hearing ministers and pastors on that station that I was working for talking about how we were just lowly worms. We just weren't worth anything if it weren't for the sacrifice. And then I started thinking about that, thinking, well, wait a minute, that's not really true. Because if we were worth nothing, then nothing would have been done. So I turned it around and I said, for ones who, who adhere to and believe, you know, this philosophy, I thought, man, we've got to be priceless for the creator to have done what he did. Absolutely priceless. And then when that sacrifice was done, we became even more priceless. So I, I really started to shift that around and realize, wow, and not, this is not from an egotistical standpoint. How do you work with people to get them so to speak, to that place? So we start with personal value. It's starting, I believe that personal value is a decision that you make and then action that you take. So I either decide that I'm valuable and treat myself as such, or I decide that I'm not valuable and then treat myself as such. I, I call it, get your life out of the junk drawer. You know, I, I don't know if you're like me, but you know, I have that one drawer where all the stuff gets thrown in and it's, you know, it's not very, you're not really sure what's in there. There's super glue and keys, you know, <laughs> old keys. And, and so many people live their life in the junk drawer. Yeah. yeah. And if you think about things that you hold priceless, whether they cost a lot or not, doesn't matter. It's the, the value that you put on them, you know, right where they are, they're taken care of, they're dusted regularly you know, when people are in your house, you say, hey, watch out, don't don't box that over or whatever. And so it starts with, first of all, getting out of the junk car, so to speak, making that decision that I am valuable yeah. and then taking action to treat yourself as such. Yeah, it's interesting that you put it that way, because uh, even in my own home, uh, my wife likes to have nice things. I don't blame her. You know, I do, too. But I used to be of the attitude that, you know, it's no big deal. If you break it, you dirt, it gets dirty or whatever. You buy another one. And she says, well, why? Why would, you, why would you think like that? Why not try to take care of the things that you have? And it's not to say that she has shifted from that. But when something does break, uh, and I, I, I still remember this, and I, feel, I, I, still, I, and I felt badly about it when it happened, and I've kind of gotten over that. But we bought this beautiful crystal-encrusted little trinket from Ireland. Or no, 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 it was a gift. I take that back. It was a gift from the, the, the hosts of the bed and breakfast we were staying at, the Powells. And it was in the bathroom of our home now, and I went to move something, and guess what? It went to the floor, and it broke. And I thought about trying to fix it, trying to glue it, but my wife said, no, it, uh, yeah, uh, it, 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 that hurts. Yeah, sure. But it's okay. It's no big deal. It's just a thing. Okay. And we have the memories, you know, we've got lots of pictures and lots of other things as well. So uh, she keeps the tray and I think the, the large clump of the crystal just to have it. And I say, okay, you know, and, and, and that's okay. It's not like, uh, here, Richard, just remember what you did. No, that's not what it's there for. <laughs> Um, but she has she has made that shift, at least in terms of it's not quite, eh, we can always buy another one. 
but it's let's take care of it. And if something happens, it's no big deal because it's just stuff. Well, isn't that sort of the attitude that we have to take with that drawer, that inner drawer of ours that's filled with those metaphorical uh, keys and super glue and uh, post-its that we, for some strange reason, keep and, and, and old birthday cards? You wouldn't believe the stack of birthday cards I still have. <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, maybe maybe I'm thinking there's something in me that's thinking I'll be opening a major museum of my archives uh, someday. Um, but is that kind of along the lines of what we need to do? Well, what it what it is is when I I know my value, somebody else doesn't dictate it to me. And so the problem is is way too many people are allowing others to dictate their value. And so when I believe in me and you tell me I'm stupid, Mm -hmm. if I believe that it hurts and because it's a wound because it hasn't healed. When I was in elementary school, they told me I was too stupid. I would never make it through. You're just too stupid. I had so many learning disabilities. Luckily I didn't believe them. I've now written two best-selling books and I'm writing my third book. Great. And it took a while to heal that pain. Mm -hmm. It took a while to silence those voices. And what it took was me saying, no, I decide. I decide who I am. I decide where I go. I decide what thoughts I have. And so it's somebody, there will always be hurt people hurting people. There will always be people lashing out. The difference is what label do you let stick to you and what labels do you pull off? That's a very good point. I, um, I mean, I can still remember certain instances in school in particular. Also, um, that job that I had with that one general manager. And um, I actually left with a great deal of satisfaction that I stuck with it. You know, I felt like it was something I had to do. But also, I was given a rather large severance package. In broadcasting, you don't get severance packages. So I knew that what they had done was absolutely wrong. Uh, by by they claimed I was being laid off and that they were downsizing and that they really couldn't afford and blah, blah, blah. When in turn, I found out a few weeks later by staying in contact with some of the other guys that were there, guys and gals that were there, they actually gave my salary to the guy who I who I was replaced by. So he was already getting a salary and they added to it. So they gave him a raise. And I'm thinking, that doesn't say that you don't have enough money to pay. <laughs> I knew, I knew, and again, I, what we learned was the reason why he behaved the way he did was because he didn't want us to improve the station. Because the station at that time was owned by the owner of the Detroit Pistons. And his son worked there. And they didn't want it to make money. They wanted it to be a tax write-off. Some of the guys broke into one of the file cabinets and found out. And uh, they didn't want it to improve. And I was making improvements to make it sound better. And that's not what they wanted. And it's like if they had told me that up front, I probably would never never have taken the job because that's just not my way. But now I'm doing so many different things. And I'm doing programs like this, talking with people like you who are trying to help others, including myself, who have suffered through this. And also, I had never thought of this before, uh, also about how to... As your title says, bullyproof you, bullyproof myself. Uh, and I think that I've, I've come a long way in that regard where I can honestly say without arrogance, without ego, I'm good at what I do. 
And that's why people keep coming to me to do more and, and so forth. Uh, that is okay. But it's those other people who start to go way off onto the deep end. And I did this all myself. I made it where I am all by myself. And I say it's, there have been thousands of people who have been involved in my evolution to where I am today. But we also have people who bully from a pseudo pulpit, as shall we say, or sometimes from a pulpit, and they denigrate groups of people all at once. This group is this, and that group is that, and so on and so forth. And we've had that scenario playing out for over the last five years on a national scale, on a national level. Um, is there a way for us to bullyproof ourselves from something like that? Because then if, if I fall into one of those categories of those people, um, I start to think, gee, well, maybe he must see something or she must see something that I don't see. Um, perspective is so important. So how do we, how do we shift away from others perspective and get back to my perspective of me and, and making it a, a good one, making it one that, that's encouraging, that's supporting, et cetera, et cetera. So that's, that's beautiful because the second part of my book is all about perspective. The first part is personal values, the foundation upon which everything is built. The second part is perspective. How do I see things? And so there is a ton of bullying going on right now. It is escalating, in my opinion. There, you know, everybody is against everybody. And if you, you're bad if you don't wear a mask. If you do wear a mask, you don't know what's. I mean, it's just yeah. there's so much more than it's ever been. And and I believe it's continuing to escalate. As long as we don't step up and say, hang on, calm down. The biggest problem right now is fear. Fear is the virus that is attacking our world. It's, it's nothing else. It's yeah. just fear. Mm -hmm. You see, when emotion is high, intelligence is low. And so we've got to calm that emotion down, bring that emotion down, and then we can think. And so if I take the perspective of life happens for me, not to me, then I ask different questions. Mm. I ask questions like, how is this gift? How is this experience a gift to me? Such as your experience with the gentleman who bullied you at work. There are gold nuggets that came from that. Oh, yeah. One of which is this podcast. Mm -hmm. You know, and so there are gold nuggets that are coming from every single struggle that we have. My, my belief is, is that our current struggles are building our muscles for our future obstacles. Mm. You know, everybody wants that elevator to success. The problem is, is that if you don't build the muscles and the resilience and the mind power, when you get off the elevator, you will be crushed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so it's that perspective of, you know, who am I? Where am I going? What are, it comes down to that six inches of real estate that are right between your ears. And what are you doing with it? Yeah. There's a great quote. <laughs> There's a great quote from uh, the Big Bang Theory uh, where Will Wheaton was guest on the, on the program. And, of course, he is Sheldon's arch nemesis. And uh, <clears throat> they're having a little verbal tussle uh, one to another. And uh, 
uh, and and uh, Will Wheaton says uh, words. Uh, I forget what Sheldon's comment was, but Will Wheaton says, "Well, you know what? I'm living rent free." And he points to Sheldon's head because Sheldon has got this this fixation, you know, as an as he's an enemy, and that's what we do now. I read something just a while ago that said that there's a greater virus, a a, a worse virus than coronavirus or COVID-19, whichever you want to call it. And that virus is part of what you said. It's ignorance, fear, and lack of faith. Absolutely. Now, I have had to work through, and I've shared this on the program, and I won't go through all the details, but I have had to work through my own personal uh, struggles uh, with the president, but not from the standpoint of politics. When I saw him on June 15th, 2015, and words started coming out of his mouth, I said, I don't want him as president because I don't want to bully as president. I mean, that's what I saw and experienced. And it's taken me this much time through probably maybe January, February of, of this year, of 2020, which, by the way, is the year of perfect vision. And um, I finally I went through the three phases. And the final phase that I'm in right now is of a very it's a very human phase or maybe spiritual phase where <clears throat> I am not uh, making statements. I'm asking a question. And the question is to him and to anybody else who is a bully or even bullying themselves. What is it that you are so afraid of that it causes you to behave and act and speak in the way that you do? Now, I'm not asking you to change. That's not, that's not why I'm asking. I'm asking so that I can understand where you're coming from and I can let this go and move on and use the energies that are in my life for the things that I really want to do. Because I don't really want to be a part of this minutia. Okay. That's where I am today and asking that very question. Ignorance breeds fear, breeds a lack of faith. It's rather interesting when I, when I saw this. Yeah. And the fact of the matter is, one of the reasons why we are so ignorant today is not, um, it, it is and it isn't because of the internet. Uh, it is because of the internet because we will dive into our echo chambers, those sources that we think are giving out the truth. And then they're contrary to others. And then, of course, people are, 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 are mad as hell at the social media sites for now starting to tag things. That the, the facts within this particular article or post are not necessarily based on fact and so forth. And now people are up in arms about all that and freedom of speech and so forth. And it's like there's a responsibility that goes with disseminating information. They say information is power. You bet. And look at what the power of the words that are being put out there is doing to us as a people, as a country, and even as a globe, because this is going on worldwide. Yeah. What are your thoughts about all of this in reference to, uh, uh, you know, uh, this whole aspect of bullying? So I'm, I'm going to ask you a follow-up question sure. because I'm not sure. You talked about a bunch of different things. I did. I'm sorry. I'm not sure which one, which one you want me to direct to. Well, collectively, bully-proofing ourselves uh, from those external 
of sources slash forces. Is there a way that we can, uh, um, is there a way that you have found for us to stay away from or to not be uh, influenced by or that we can protect ourselves from? For example, my wife is an empath. She picks up on the energies of other people. So someone told her, well, just carry with you or wear a, cor- a smoky quartz crystal and, 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 and that will help to m- put up sort of a shield, a little bit of a shield from all those external energies. Well, I don't think uh, smoky quartz crystal is going to help in this instance, um, but I'm just curious as to if there's any solution or at least any treatment, shall we say, process, steps that we might implement to, uh, like I said, to protect ourselves from this onslaught that is out there. Yeah, absolutely. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for thank you for that. And and now we're in the third part of my book, which is planned responses. <laughs> it's planned responses, and it's that you have to train your mind to be able to deal with the emotion. You've got to learn how to peel the emotion off so your brain can think. And I also am an empath, and I'm very intuitive. And I didn't even, about six years ago, I didn't even know what that word meant. One of my mentors says, wow, you're one of the most powerful, intuitive people I've ever met, other than myself and my wife. And I was like, cool. (laughs) And I had to go home and look up what that word was. (laughs) I didn't know what it was. And the reason is, is because I was severely bullied as a young child. And so I learned the power of my mind to keep people away. And so I put up a mental shield that nobody could get through, Mm -hmm. which when I transitioned from the classroom to the stage was a problem for me. Mm. because I was okay with, you know, the 30 kids in my class. I didn't have that wall. But as soon as I stepped on that stage, I would push. That energy was a push energy. And again, another mentor tells me, wow, I have, you know, I was practicing with him. He was helping me. I stepped on stage, started going to my thing, and about 10 seconds into it, he's like, what are you doing? And I said, "I'm." what do you mean, what am I doing? And he says, I have never felt a push energy like that. Never. Hmm. That nobody can get close to you energetically. And so that's when I started. And it was right after that, somebody says, you're an empath. And I started researching all of those things. But it goes back to the power of our mind. And so when somebody is saying something to me, then I choose in my mind what to believe and what I don't believe. And if I get caught up into their hype and their bullying and what they're saying, then I, my emotions go right along with that. And Mm. so I, first of all, when somebody is bullying, as I said earlier, hurt people, hurt people. They're not thinking, they're not processing, they're reacting, they're in pain themselves for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. And so I need to remember, it's not about me, it's about them. And so I am. While at the same time, sort of kind of protecting ourselves, and we used we would use comedy. Now, it wasn't that we would use comedy in the context of going out and putting on some kind of a show. But between the two of us, from some of the things that we would listen to, one of them was um, uh, one of them was uh, uh, Stan Freeberg's uh, "United States of America: The Early Years," which is a satirical look at uh, the the American Revolution and the process moving forward through to 
winning the, uh, the the war and so forth and <clears throat> and moving on to other things. And, um, you know, and then, of course, there would be times we were in the car and certain things might happen and we'd say a phrase and we would just keep repeating that phrase over the course of the next month or year. Um, uh, I remember an incident where he was pulling his dad's white Impala into the gas station, making a left turn into the gas station. And there was traffic coming. And this was at night. And I didn't have great vision back then. And it looked like they were a lot closer. And I says, come on, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. Get in. Well, what's the matter? I says, there are cars coming and they're going to hit my side of the car. He says, well, yeah, but they're not going to hit my side. I mean, and these are things we would joke about, you know. And these were the kinds of mechanisms that we used. Uh, Release mechanisms, relief mechanisms, if you will. Um, one time we, uh, uh, he wanted, uh, uh, he wanted me to roll up a window. So I rolled, I was rolling up the window and it was a hand crank window and I don't know where it came from, but he says, roll them up. And so we, that is another phrase that we would use. I mean, these kinds of, well, you, I'm sure you've got best friends where you see them and certain phrases come up, certain, uh, memories come up and you start to take a look at those kinds of things. So, um, I, I don't know if those are considered uh, defense mechanisms in the process uh, so that we're not taking so seriously. I mean, I even joke about how I deal with bullies. Uh, you know, talk about the flight, fight or flight. I took the flight and got really good in track and field. <laughs> okay. I learned to run fast. So I, uh, I, was, I was first place in a lot of those track and field events in school. Um, so there was a positive there. What about those? And again, maybe that's the wrong term. I'm not sure what you would use, uh, but uh, go ahead and convert my terminology here. What about defense mechanisms that we might use to deflect? Okay, uh, the, the, this kind of stuff that comes our way, uh, and uh, and then of course working on the perspective part. But are there such things that are, that oh, are healthy? That are healthy? Yeah, nothing has meaning except the meaning you give it. Okay. Nothing has meaning except the meaning you give it. And, and there is a lot of people trying to be politically correct because they are afraid of offending somebody else. The problem is, is you will never know what is going to offend someone else because you don't know the meaning that they're giving the words. For example, there was a time in my life that was absolutely horrendous. It was a horrible, horrible time in my life. And uh, I went into a restaurant. I had no money to buy food. It was raining. It was cold. I always oh, very, very down part. And I sat down at a table and the waitress comes up and says, what can I get you, hun? And I just kind of look up at her and she just knew. She just knew. And she brought me out a hot roast beef sandwich, which is still to this day my favorite sandwich. <laughs> and she sets it down in front of me, and I, I look at her, and I'm like, I can't pay for this. And she's like, I know, hun. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> pay it forward. And from that day forward, the word hun, I loved that word. <laughs> loved that word. It meant everything to me. Now, if you oh. flash forward, you know, some years, I'm in the classroom. What do I call all my students? Hun. Because I love that word, right? <laughs> well, I find myself in the principal's office because there was a student who hated being called hun. But instead of coming to me and saying, hey, Jeannie, I've got a problem with that word and this is what it is, he he went to the principal. Yeah. 
And so the principal calls me in and, and he, I found out that his sister would abuse him. And every time before she would abuse him, she would call him hun. Jeez. Same exact word, two totally different meanings. Mm -hmm. Nothing has meaning except the meaning we give it. So the defense mechanism is to give it a different meaning. I had a student who who got called the B word, right? And she's like, well, she had, I had been teaching her this. And, and she says, this happened in about three minutes. It's going to take or about three seconds, but it's going to take me about three minutes to explain it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Someone calls me a name and I think, well, that's a female dog. Female dogs bark. Bark is on trees. I love trees. I love dogs. And she said, I looked at the person and I said, thank you. With a big smile. And I really meant it. Thank you. The big smile. And I walked away. Yeah. Her friend happened to be behind her and saw from an outside perspective what happened. The person that called her a name was like, what just happened? <laughs> <laughs> my student walked away, did not get in a fight, did not wind up going back to you know detention. It was amazing, all because she shifted the meaning of what it meant. Uh, that is extraordinary. And um, I have to tell you that it took me a while to learn this, but I finally did that if I gave the bullies what they wanted, and that was a response, and, and we're talking now about a response that is uh, aggressive, okay, that is angry, that is fearful, and so forth, in, in high school, Spanish class, you know, I should never have opted out uh, of one year of English for a year of Spanish. I would have avoided at least a certain element of harassment. But the kids in that class, some of them Hispanic, um would call me El Toro, the bull, you know? Well, one of the things I learned, and it was more in grade school that I brought into high school, was if you give them what they want, i.e. an angry response, and so on and so forth, which does nothing more than escalate it, now they're going to say, well, we'll see you at 3 o'clock out in the parking lot at the bike racks, or they're going to put gum on the seat of my bike, or this or that or the other thing. When you give them a different response that just totally blows them away, like what you just described, man, does it ever, it's like you just flat out take the wind out of their sails. What are they yeah. going to do? They, they right. you know, they have no response. We right. do have a response and that is we're talking with Jeannie Cisco Meth and she, we're talking about bully proofing yourself, improving confidence and personal value. And we are going to continue our conversation here on Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. Don't go away. Tell me your stories. I'll do my best to understand you. Welcome back to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. Thank you so much for joining us here on the program as we continue talking with uh, Jeannie Sisko-Meth and talking about the book that she's just recently released, Bully Proofing You. Bully Proofing You. Gee, if, it were, if we were just AI, we could go in, take out a part of the code, put in a replacement, and off we'd go. Well, we're going to kind of do that to help you improve your confidence and personal value. And we want to thank you so much, Virginia, for staying with us here on the program. You know, it's, it's interesting when I look back and I realize that even at being bullied, I, actually, I can actually go back to instances where, and here's, here's an interesting justification, it really wasn't that big of a deal 
And I actually, even if it was just in my head and maybe my body language, that I, I bullied people. There were some girls. There was, there was one girl, her name was Rhonda, and she was, she's a little overweight. At least by my reckoning, she was overweight. And uh, yet she was really a nice girl. Here's a real irony for you, though. Um, I went to San, I went to um, uh, Huntington Beach in Disneyland on a, a program called the National Junior Honor Society. I made it in uh, the last semester of the year. And there were a lot of people that weren't real happy about that because they thought I was being given preferential treatment, being that I was legally blind. And I was working hard to get in there because I wanted to go. I wanted to go to Disneyland. So there were two girls in my class. Um, one was Chris and the other one was Leslie. And um, we were there at Huntington Beach and I was walking out there. This was eighth grade and I was walking out into the surf. I don't think it was the first time I'd been in the ocean, but it seemed like it. And all of a sudden an undercurrent pulled my feet out from under me and I went down and I started to go out to sea. The two girls who pulled me out of the water, Leslie and Chris. And I was actually rather astounded that those two girls pulled me from the water. And they did not have, I don't know that they ever even had a good thing to say about me. Maybe today, I don't know. But it, it struck me as strange. Like you, you two girls hate me. You just absolutely have no... No like for me at all. And yet you pulled me out of the water. You kept me from heading for Hawaii. You know, I mean, it was a funny, it was a funny experience um, well, for me. There, yeah. There are, you know, and it, it, there are bullies in every age group, every race, every, you know, everything that it's, it goes back to hurt people, hurt people. Yeah. And a hurt person does not look for a strong, confident person when they need to unload. Mm -hmm. I, I think of it as cups of, of water. You know, think of a cup in front of you and there's a certain amount of fluid in it, whatever you want to say the fluid is. And that's your emotional meter. And as you go through the day, you fill it up or you empty it. The easiest way to empty your cup is to dump it on someone else, usually our family, but then people at school or people at work, we lash out. When I lash out, I dump some of my emotions on them and then I feel better. I'm like, oh, I feel better now. The mm. best place is to dump those emotions where they won't hurt anyone else. Yeah. People, I believe, are basically good. They just get filled up with junk mm. and they don't handle that junk appropriately. And so to be able to function at, a, at an okay level, they dump their junk on someone else. And then that person dumps their junk on someone else yeah. and they dump their junk it and, it, and it just keeps going keeps on. Keeps going on. Now, to that end, to that end, um, Is there, uh, have you run across individuals who are pretty well, they're, they're doing okay. They don't feel bullied. They don't bully. They're, they're pretty well adjusted and so forth. And uh, maybe you might uh, solicit them to become a part of some kind of a group or team 
that might be able to go with into the schools in particular, because that's kind of what we're talking about, uh, to to talk to the class, if you will, to the bullies and the bullied, and not pointing fingers. I mean, because that's the last thing you want to do is start pointing fingers, because then you have more problems than you want to deal with. Uh, but just saying, uh, hey, there there are better ways of dealing with whatever's going on inside of you than lashing out. You know, it's like when uh, you have a spouse. I had my my present wife went through uh, uh, cancer and chemo. And there were days when she just was just the meanest and nastiest and orneriest. And I knew where that was coming from, so I didn't personalize it. Techniques that we can do in, in schools that you might use to do that. Absolutely. And we have a program that we take into schools. And we've actually started a 501c3 so that we can accept donations so that when the school can afford it, we can still go in and still make our mortgage payment as well. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, so I've been doing that since about 2012. I've been going into schools all over the country and I absolutely love it. And it's well, well received. The kids love it. The teachers love it. It's a bit of a hard sell though, because when I call them, when I call the school and I say, I have this program I'd love to bring in, their first answer is always, we don't have any bullying here, to which I say, yes, you do. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the second is, is I bring up all the letters that show up because statistics show that when you have a bullying presentation in a school, bullying goes up 35%. The reason is, is that they show pictures of people being bullied. They show videos of people being bullied. They talk about how horrible bullying is. Well, whatever you focus on increases. Yeah. So if I'm in a school talking about bullying, guess what? Bullying is going to increase. So when we go into a school, we talk about personal value and confidence. And how to remove labels that other people have stuck on us. And how to make sure that we understand who we are because I decide who I am, not you. And so we have some very powerful um, activities that the students go through. And when we leave, bullying decreases because personal value and confidence increase. You already know what the problem is. You don't need to talk about that. So you come in and you just present the solution, not to the problem directly. But, hey, folks, uh, each one of us has stuff going on. we got all kinds of crap going on in our lives. And, uh, you know, uh, we have to learn how to deal with that. We have to learn how to um, handle it in an appropriate manner. It's like, kind of like you hear uh, some some toddlers or, or uh, young kids like this uh, uh, at home and, and uh, the kid's starting to do something and uh, the parent might say something along the lines of, now, Billy, we don't do that, you know, or they use these different uh, parenting techniques to to uh, uh, try to mold their children by not using the word no, but coming up with some other uh, some other way of saying no that isn't appropriate or no, that is not what we're going to do or no, you cannot have another candy bar or those kinds. They'll find other other methods that are quote unquote positive and not negative, which which I find is interesting because I'm I've been struggling for years with the concept of duality in this world. And my my ex personal experience is it's just life. Uh, you know, you can use it as an, a roller coaster up and down, up and down. Fine. Hills and valleys, hills and valleys. All right. But it's still just life because we don't 
We don't say how bad uh, a, a supernova that we just saw through the Hubble telescope that just exploded to make a new star. We don't we don't say that's bad. We just say, wow, that was awesome. And the same right. thing on the molecular level, the subatomic level. We see this stuff happening and we don't go, uh, you know, labeling it as good or bad. We're we're in awe of Mother Nature. It's incredible. But right. our lives at this level. Oh, my gosh. It's it's plus or minus, plus or minus, plus or minus. And I'm I'm really trying to get to the point where I'm going. It's it's like coronavirus. I was thrilled because they did something different this time. I mean, I'm 60 years old and the influenza comes a rolling through. And what do we do? Nothing. And then when the vaccine came along, get the shot, get the shot, get the shot. You know, but we're not going to do anything other than tell you to get the shot, get the shot, get the shot. This time we shut things down. And at least I knew for a change we were going to get a different result. Because Einstein said it best. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. Um, bullying does not come to a child through a vacuum. Parents are usually the core. Teacher, as that song from the 60s or 70s says, teach your children well. How do you deal with that dynamic? How can you deal with that dynamic in regards to showing parents a better way to value themselves rather than saying, you know, you're teaching your kids some really bad habits here that are they're going to come back to haunt them. And I hear this. I heard this some years ago when we were talking about this subject. And they said, Richard, you know, you're being awfully naive. Uh, you know, this whole thing of bullying and getting harassed in school. Hey, that's part of the process of building character. And, and so I took it to the uh, to the logical conclusion, at least my logical conclusion. OK, if it's OK for kids to bully each other in school, grade school, maybe even high school. When they start going out into the real world and they start bullying people and they start harassing people, there are now laws on the books that say that's a crime. And if you are found guilty, you will go to jail for what you are talking about. That is character building. Talk to us a little bit about that, as well as about this aspect of somehow reaching the parents, the adults. So there are things, no matter how perfect you are as a parent, no matter how perfect our society is, hopefully there will still be things to make us grow. Struggles make us grow. The only way I climb the stairs is to push off from this last stair. And so no matter what happens, especially in this world, it's a fallen world, right? There mm -hmm. are going to be problems. We will not make them perfect. What we can do is learn how to deal with difficulty, learn how to deal with adversity. And that is in with the power of the mind. That is through, you know, there are so many examples. I read books all the time, which is funny because it was such a struggle for me. I've horrible dyslexia, mm. but I've learned how to deal with it. But I've read story after story after story of atrocious childhoods. And the ch think of Tony Robbins. He's, he's the easiest one for me 
me to think about, right? Because mm-hmm. he is a mega, mega star. He started the whole coaching, life coaching business and, and all of that. He's a phenomenal man. What, 54 businesses, $6 billion worth of, of business? And at 17 years old, his mother chased him out of the house on Christmas Eve with a knife. Oh. Horrendous childhood. Horrendous abuse. Look at who he's become. Then there is example, example after that, after it. And so, yeah, I can sit here and go, oh, my dad did this, my mom did that. Oh, it was horrible. Oh, it was awful. Or I can say, what did I learn from that? How do I overcome that? Again, it's the changing perspective. Changing perspective. The best thing that you can do as a parent, and I'm speaking specifically as parents, is do the best that you can. Love your child. And guess what? You're going to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. And at some point, it shifts from if your child is blaming you, it shifts to, okay, you got to deal with that now. And, And part of the problem that I believe is Parents continually take the blame for a mistake that they made when the child was 10, 11, 12 years old. And mm. at, at about 13, 14, 15, the parent needs to say, yep, made a mistake, did the best I could, good luck. Figure it out. Mm-hmm. Deal with it. I don't believe there's anything wrong with the word no. Oh. I don't. It's in the vocabulary for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have hot because I have cold. Yeah. There is always comparison. I have left because I have right. I have yes because I have no. I have happy because I have sad. It's okay to tell a child no. Mm-hmm. It's okay to let your two-year-old have a temper tantrum in Walmart and you stand there and watch it and not give in. Yeah. Because the fact is, if you were to give in, all you're doing is feeding your energy to that child to continue on. You're Which, reinforcing the bad behavior. Yeah, you're reinforcing the bad behavior. And that's what's interesting. <laughs> that's what I found so interesting um, was that that um, when people started start to, to uh, uh, heap criticism on someone, um, some, you know, especially for something they said that was really off. I mean, it may, it may have been off color, but it was just it was just rude or it was obnoxious or it just it was poor taste kind of thing. And so someone criticizes them. And then, of course, they're known for their rudeness and their tactlessness. And so they fire off another one. And then they're criticized for that. So they fire off. And it's like you're lobbing hand grenades at one another and nobody's going to win. And both are going to lose. Right. And so at that point, what you do is you say, hey, you know what? I love you as a friend. Or, you know, if it's a friend, whatever it is, as a coworker, you say, that behavior, I do not accept people to treat me that way. Mm. And so when you can be nice, we can get back together. And you walk away. You don't stay in the situation. You yeah. walk away. You put yourself somewhere else. One of the best things that you can say as a parent is when your child comes home and says, Mom, Sally called me or Timmy, whatever. You ask your child, do you believe that? And you walk away. Or you say, well, what do you believe? Or you say, well, what do you think? Mm -hmm. What that does is it allows the child to realize they have a decision 
about what labels get stuck to them and what labels fall off. Mm -hmm. And it lets them realize, it lets the child realize that they have the power of their mind and that they need to use it. I met a gal uh, on LinkedIn uh, some years ago and uh, she had, she was doing some kind of uh, uh, healing work or what have you, but she had this other issue uh, that she talked with me about off the air um, outside of an interview. And uh, she was telling me about how on Facebook, uh, so-and-so was harassing her. It was some, some actor in Hollywood and on and on and on and on and on and on. And I finally got to the point. I says, no, we're not going to be doing an interview about that's not what my program is about. It is not about taking on these causes and people who are harassing and this, that just, that's not where we're at. And the one thing I finally told her before I blocked her, and I haven't heard from her since, was I have one solution for you, and it's the best I can offer. Delete your profile. Shut down your Facebook account. Wait a couple of months and open up a new one under another name. Okay? And it's like people who scream persecution, in my mind, my perspective, are people who are standing on the railroad tracks. There is a train coming and they're complaining that the train is coming and it's going to kill them. And I'm saying, I'm sitting here going, if you will step off the train tracks, no, I have a right to be here. There you go. Okay. Nothing I can do. I've given you my best advice. Get off the tracks. If that's not what you want to do, then, uh, you know, I will pray for you and bid you a fond farewell because that's what people do. But we get caught in those beliefs from years and years and years ago, don't we? And that's what keeps us on those tracks. That's why emotional management is so important. Yeah. That's why going back and dealing with some of that junk as they come up is so important. I recommend write and burn. You know, when you feel that trigger, when you feel that emotion, when you feel it coming up, Grab a pen and a piece of paper and write down all the junk that you're feeling. You know, swear on the paper, yell at the paper, you know, write it down <laughs> and then take it outside and burn it. Get rid of it. Yeah. Because that's, you're dumping your cup on paper instead of on people. Yeah. And then you're not continuing to pass it around. And I, I know we're getting short on time, so I want to offer your listeners a special, special price on my book. Okay. Go to bullyproofingyoubook.com. There is a whole home study course there. There's a workbook. There is is um, videos that go with each chapter. And I'll also autograph the book and get it out to you. It will come personally from me if you go to that, that website, bullyproofingyoubook.com. Okay, bullyproofingyoubook.com. That's the website. We'll put that link up, okay? We'll put Perfect. that link up. And I'm sure that it will also take them to uh, the other websites that you do have and uh, give them more information uh, and and more of an education. I'm a, I'm a firm believer in education, um, but it never stops. It's You don't just learn it and that, that's it because we're in an ever-changing world. We're in an ever-growing world. We're in an ever-evolving world. I realize that's a dirty word to some people. I'm sorry. Uh, okay, how about this? We're in an ever-transforming world. And boy, we are transforming these days, aren't we? Uh, not just nationally, but globally. And I am thrilled. I am so excited about what's, what's possible. But it has to be 
you've got to change your perspective. You cannot look at it, uh, especially if you look at the economic uh, picture, you can't look at it from the standpoint, oh my God, the world is coming to an end. No, you have to look at it from the standpoint, in my opinion, in my observation, you, from the standpoint of what are the opportunities that are opening up? Uh, I can't see them now, so I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to keep going through and trying to find those opportunities that will work for me. And I think that if we will, as you've talked about, uh, establish. Uh, I've heard this term too, um, uh, Jeannie, emotional intelligence. And if we will work to uh, cultivate our emotional intelligence, if you will, uh, then we can start to see those opportunities, as well as. Going within during 2020, the year of perfect vision. <laughs> I had to throw that in. Sorry. Well, the, the only thing that's consistent is change. Yes. We're always changing. Mm-hmm. So why not use that change to better yourself, your life, your home, yeah. your job, whatever it is that you choose. If, you're go- if you know change is coming, which it always is every day, mm-hmm. use it to make it better. Use it to make the world a better place. Absolutely. Absolutely. Jeannie Cisco meth. I want to thank you so much for joining us here on the program. This has been, uh, actually has been quite an education for me from that standpoint, learning and realizing that it, uh, that I, my own personal self defense mechanisms, uh, are part of what you are talking about, what you have been writing about in bully proofing you, uh, and improving confidence and personal value. And I'm, I'm excited about that. Uh, in one of my interviews not too long ago, um, I placed before my guest um, a, a, a point. And he said, well, let me, let me take a look at that and uh, let's, let's take a look at that from a different perspective. And he began to um, uh, share his perspective, to which I responded, well, there goes another one of my grass shacks up in flames. But I don't mind burning grass shacks because I can build more. But it's it's like we have to literally for in all areas, we have to open up ourselves uh, to um, allow this information to come in. And we have to process it logically and intelligently. Uh, Matter of fact, it reminds me of uh, Celestine Prophecy by uh, James Redford, who talks about how we have messages one for another. But if we put up the shields, which is different from what you're talking about, that you did in terms of the push. If we put up the shields and using the Star Trek analogy, yes, you can fire your weapons, but you can't transport anything in. The shuttlecraft cannot come in because it can't go through the shield. So we need to lower the shields and make ourselves a little vulnerable to be able to hear some of these messages that others have for us. And I thank you for bringing yours to us today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me today. I do have three final questions for you before we go, but I want to remind our listeners that I thank them for listening to the program and listening on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., and we do stream live at those times at richardugan.com, as well as the podcasts that are on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, and the like. And the website we want you to go to once again is bullyproofyoubook.com. 
will be linked to that site, and uh, you can take advantage of the wonderful gift that uh, that Jeannie is giving uh, to you today. And we also would like to encourage you, if you can, to support us financially. PayPal Patreon accounts are on the homepage of richarddugan.com. So my final three questions that I offer up, you may have answered them to some degree in the hour that we've been talking, but I'd like to ask them directly. The first is, who is Jeannie Cisco Meth? Jeannie Cisco Meth is a world-class inspired author, mentor, and transformational speaker. And I help people bully-proof themselves so they can live a more enjoyable and productive life. What is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you're doing now? I want to help people heal. Because just as much as hurt people hurt people, healed people heal people. And it's time to start the healing. And finally, what is your life's purpose? To teach, to learn, and to teach every moment of every day. Wonderful. Again, I thank you so much, uh, Jeannie, for joining us here on the program. And I thank you for listening to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. We are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices. Jeannie just gave us a bunch of choices. So pick one and join us again on our next broadcast podcast. And until then, love to lull.